HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Broadcasting live from Roberta's in Bushwick, Brooklyn, you're listening to HeritageRadioNetwork.com. Boys, I'm mellow as a honeydew. Yeah. That cat is high. Look that look in his eye. Oh, man, he's high. Yes, higher than a kite. Welcome back to the Speakeasy. I'm your host, Damon Bolte. Today in the studio, it's just me. My first call-in show. And my guest today, proprietor of uh, one of the better-known uh, cocktail bars in the United States nowadays, and up for a new category of the James Beard Awards, uh, that category being Outstanding Bar Program, um, this is actually the first year that uh, the bar programs have been recognized for the James Beard Awards, and the Violet Hour in Chicago, Illinois, is up for this really cool, prestigious award, and we have Toby Maloney on the line to talk about not only the Violet Hour, um, not only the James Beard Awards, but just kick-ass bartending in general. Toby? Good afternoon, Damon. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. How are you? Um, couldn't be better. Just got back from 10 days on the road, seeing the Patterson House in Nashville, the um, Bradstreet Crafts House in Minneapolis, and the Violet Hour. So happy to be home, but had a great trip. Awesome. <clears throat> um, tell us a little bit about uh, how you're feeling right now about the uh, James Beard Award uh, nomination. Um. I could not be happier. I mean, the 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 company that uh, I'm with with PDT and Pegu, Fire Cole and Aviary, um, all of just phenomenal bars. Um, uh, I couldn't be happier about that. I couldn't be prouder of the staff at the Violet Hour who just rock. Um, and so, you know, a big thank you to them for for keeping it real every day and coming in early and staying late and doing all the things that it takes to, to make a program like this work. Absolutely. How do you feel about the aviary being, uh, there's, uh, we've got obviously bar agricole. Well, not obviously, but, uh, there's bar, bar agricole, uh, Pigu club in New York, uh, PDT, as you mentioned in New York. And then those are the two New York, uh, bar 
you know bars where a lot of people have actually uh, kind of been behind both of those both both of the sticks so to speak uh is there a little bit of a rivalry going down in chicago about <laughs> about the james beard award nominations not, a, not at all um uh, i actually talked to craig about it and we both sent each other congratulations um it's 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 just great to be nominated i know that sounds like the the typical cliche award thing but i mean it, it, this is the first year there are so many great bars out there, and to get to you know this stage is just awesome. And I wish all everybody all the luck in the world, and just happy to be here. Yeah, totally. I mean, like it's kind of cool. I mean, well, it's extremely cool that you know, like as you mentioned, uh, the first year for this award being nominated—that's a really cool thing. You know, you're setting the bar, no pun intended, very high for the rest of the awards to come. Even just um, even just being nominated, <laughs> you know. Even just being nominated, exactly. Um, so that's that's the thing is we, we I think everybody, all of the all of the bartenders and mixologists, the bartenders who are up for this award, you know, we set the bar very very high for ourselves all the time, and so it's nice to be recon- you know recognized and give a little nod to um, all of the many many hours of work that it takes to run. Um, a really good bar. Absolutely. Now, okay, so you've been in Chicago now for like the last couple of years or so, but you were in I, New York before. I I live right down the road from Roberta's, and that's where I'm calling you from. Oh, right, right, right. But uh, as far as like you've been spending a lot of time there, but you were you were bartending at like the Rusty Knot and like what other places were you at? I mean, I remember seeing you at the Rusty Knot. And um, um See, I, I cut my teeth in the. In, I, I worked in the clubs for a long time and in restaurants, um, and then I worked at a place called Grange Hall with uh, Del Pedro, which was kind of a turning point. He used this word balance that uh, I was all about speed at that point, and he kind of showed me the way that a drink should taste. Um, and then I was lucky enough. Um, when I was working there, a friend of mine went to this little tiny bar on the Lower East Side called Milk and Honey, and um, he brought me there. And then it was like on. I was just I I fell in love with um, bartending, and then I was lucky enough to work at places like Flatiron and Pegu and Freeman's. <clears throat> um, so yeah, I was getting an amalgamation of a lot of different kinds of things and a lot of different styles and um you know being being on when i started doing this the internet wasn't around so there was which i think is the, one of the coolest things that has happened for bartending specifically is you know if you needed a recipe you had to go to somebody's bar and talk to them about it um and that was so cool and wonderful and, and bartenders without a doubt are so giving and generous with any thoughts or recipes or anything. And so I think that has speeded up the the process of how there have been so many bars that have opened and how fast people get good is that research is easier and um you know you can literally get on you know get on and email somebody in Paris and somebody in Tokyo and talk to them about ice or water content or whatever. So been really a really exciting time to see 
um, the progression of you know going from the the truly dark ages of um, cosmopolitans that Salvini's made with all um, fake ingredients to this revival where people squeeze juice every day and, and go back and are researching old recipes and riffing on them and it's been a really an amazing thing to be part of. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I, I really, I really appreciate what you just said about that because, um, uh, well, uh, multiple show guest uh, for the speakeasy, uh, Nick Jarrett, he's one of those guys who's a wealth of information. I mean, there's so many people out there like yourself and, and these people, but like Nick, what I like about him is that he almost, in the kindest way, almost forces it upon you in, in the the most enthusiastic way where you're just like, yeah, yeah, tell me more, tell me more. And I, the fact that we get to share information nowadays, like you said, uh, is a really special thing, especially, as you mentioned also, the dark ages of, of cocktails. I mean, even when you go back, I mean, there weren't a lot of cocktail books that were pressed during those days, but when you look at them, there's a lot of bullshit but you do find every once in a while like some some gems in there and yep. well the craft of the cocktail was that that first one that kind of opened a lot of people's eyes and without gail de Groff, you know spearheading this this fresh juice and and and, and recipes that had like ounces and, and and putting in the finest ingredients and drinks that this probably wouldn't have happened that he was he was so integral in it, um, and then Greg Baum of Cocktail Kingdom and Mud Puddle Books. Mud Puddle Books is the coolest thing because absolutely he's reprinting all of these books that you, you, when I was started, there was no way you could I could afford a four hundred dollar um, you know copy of some gentleman's companion. Person. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, and so now being able to read all of those and just have easily have all of them on your shelf is just absolutely invaluable and the the quality of the reproduction of those books is it's immaculate it's 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 awesome because then also you get the the foreword the the only modifications of those books really is the foreword and it'll be like david wondridge most time or like you know delta graf as you mentioned um and the accessibility now is you know going again to the, the the shared information the accessibility is so much to where People can really they can do it at home, you know. But fortunately, they uh, they still come out to our bars and see us and hang out and see what we're doing. I mean, as far as classics go, you know, obviously you can go out and buy the materials and buy the books and make them at home. Uh, but you know, for what we're doing at the bars, you know, it's it's all about innovation, and that's something that you guys at the Violet Hour are doing. That's really cool. Um, I was looking at your menu a couple days ago online. Speaking of looking at information online. And the cool thing about uh, the Violet Hour is that you really kind of like, and speaking of balance, like you mentioned Del Pedro before, um, but the balance of really old school drinks, but kind of like, I know we call it kind of East Coast, West Coast, uh, you know, having like kind of a garden on the bar and uh, using a lot of herbs and and spices. Um, But you guys do a really good job of balancing that. I mean, obviously you're in, the middle of the country so it should be that but you, you you're definitely uh pulling your weight as far as the nomination for this award because it's 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 a beautiful menu and it's a beautiful space 
it is truly a beautiful space. Um, Thomas Fletcher um, designed it for us, and the cool blues, and it's just such so sophisticated and refined, and um, it's a beautiful space. And you know, my other partners there, Donnie Medea and Terry Alexander and Peter Garfield, I and mean, all of the knowledge that went into designing the space has really helped it. Yeah, get its own personality and and shine. Absolutely, and you know that's that's what it's all about. I mean, like all the details. A lot of people when they they talk about opening a bar, you're like, yeah, right, all right. You don't know what you're getting into, but <laughs> as far as like the details go, you've nailed all of them. And it's. Opening a- Oh, I'm sorry. Sorry. Go ahead. No, I was, I was just going to say, I mean, like, even down to, you know, like, the skewers that you use for your garnishes and the coaster or the BevNet, you know, like, the paper towels that you have in the in the, the restaurant, or if you have regular towels. I mean, like, there's so many details to opening up a restaurant or bar, and like like I said, you know, you just nailed all of them. Well, thank you very much. Um, it is definitely a group effort. No one person opens a bar. Right. It's, um, <laughs> it's just very much like... I. When I was opening the Violet Hour, I felt like I was juggling two kittens, a bowling ball, and a running <laughs> chainsaw while running across um, a shark-infested lake it's using called, only alligators. It's called uh, flare bartending. As, as, as depth tools. <laughs> you know, like, there's just so much going on. And um, every, every decision is fraught with peril. And um, so, you know, Jason Cott also was... Uh, my business partner in Alchemy was there every step of the way as well, just being very calm and forward-thinking. So it's it's it is very much like a movie, you know. It there are so many people that go into making something that's that's, that's awesome. Yeah, and and you know, again, like you've done a really good job. Like like a movie, seeing the end product, you don't really think about like the gaffers and the, you know, the people that are running around the set, making it happen. And you guys have done a good job of just letting the people come in and really enjoy the space and the end product, which is, you know, like I said, kudos. Um, speaking of, uh, alchemy consulting, you guys are busy nowadays. How's Joaquin? I haven't seen Joaquin in a while. Um, Joaquin has been traveling quite a bit. He just got back from, um, Mark Copenhagen, he was over there for a bar show and ate at Noma, so he's doing all right. Yeah. <laughs> we're, uh, we're not worried about Joaquin right now. Never are. Um, but, um, still holding it down at Death and Company, and just always such a very nice man and always got a smile. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we're going to take a quick break, okay. and then when we get back, we'll be speaking with Toby Maloney from the Violet Hour and the rest of the world, as it turns out. (laughs) And I'm playing Chicago right now for you. (laughs) We'll be right back in a moment. Perfect.
Foods Market creates win-win partnerships with our suppliers, and we love to tell their stories. New New Chocolates in Brooklyn offers delicious and classic combination truffles and caramels, sweet, salty, some even with beer. Using single-origin cocoa beans, production takes place right in their shop on Atlantic Avenue. Come have a taste in one of our six Manhattan locations. And we're back. You're listening to The Speakeasy. We've got Toby Maloney on the line. We've been talking about the Violet Hour and the James Beard Awards, which they are nominated for, for this new category of Outstanding Bar Program, which is the first year for it. And uh, we've been having a really cool conversation about, uh, you know, what we always talk about, booze, bartending, philosophy. And uh, welcome back to the show, Toby. Thank you very much. Um, So one thing I wanted to ask about, since I've got you on, on the line, what the hell is up with Malort? Um, it, <laughs> it, it is truly one of the most bizarre things ever. And it, it, it's a Chicago thing. It's specifically, um, I think it's really only sold, or it's really only drink in Chicago. Um, it is an old Swedish uh, recipe for a wormwood liqueur. And it is, it's about the most bitter thing I can think of off the top of my head. I, <laughs> I, I, I can drink Angostura out of the bottle. Um, and and Malort, Malort is kind of like, it's kind of like drinking a tire fire, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, and, it's, it, and it stays with you for hours. Like four hours later, you, you swallow it and you're like, oh, there's a Malort again. Um, <laughs> right, right. There's somewhat of a pride thing of, of, of being able to drink it and really enjoy it, um, which... I think a lot of Chicagoans do. I was in a bar last night, Sable, in Chicago, and all of these bartenders came into this hotel bar and ordered up a bunch of shots of Malort. It was pretty funny. It's uh, it's kind of Chicago's version of Fernet. Right. I, I was going to say it's got you know it, it it's like you said it's kind of a pride thing. I mean, like where did this all start? Well, as, as far as like I, I people being fanatical about it. Pardon me. As far as like the like the the fanatical culture around the Chicago betters, uh, this malort. Um, in the Ukrainian village and and uh, Wicker Park, there are all these Polish bars, and when you're out in these just wonderful dive, 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 dive bars, oftentimes attached to like cut right liquors, or <clears throat> you know, there's there's fluorescent lights and everything's Formica, and they're just such great bars. You drink a crappy beer and a shot of Malort. That's just, that's the, like, the Charles Bukowski version <laughs> of Chicago. Awesome. It's funny, uh, you know, like you mentioned, Fernet, and we talk quite a bit about that on the show. Um, it's funny to see, like, the way, well, it's not funny, but it's it's interesting to see the way that now that you know the sa- the 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 satellite cities where the cocktail culture started kicking back in. You know New York, San Francisco, uh, Portland. I will throw in there, um, and then Seattle. You know, Seattle and Chicago. And then you know Chicago and L.A. kind of started coming in, and it's funny to see everyone's uh, interesting to see everyone's different like drinking culture. I mean, and it, that's just in the United States, and you know obviously when you're traveling around the world. You get to see, you know, obviously the regional spirits and different cuisine and uh, drinking rituals. And that one, to me, is the most bizarre 
uh, of any place in the world that I've ever witnessed. I mean, it makes sense. Shitty beer in a weird shot, but uh, yeah, I still can't get over it. I had a party. You, know, you got you to gotta be tough to live in Chicago. Those winters yeah, are seriously. brutal, and they're followed by even more brutal summers. I mean, there's, there's a toughness about the city of broad shoulders that you, you drink stuff that's really strong. You know? Yeah. It's not, it's not Miami. Yeah, it's perfect weather all the time. I, I, I would, I totally understand what you're saying there. I had a party uh, last New Year's Eve, and uh, someone kind of like, you know, stumbled into my uh, my shelving with you know hundreds of bottles of booze, and some stuff came crashing down. But the only thing that broke was my bottle of of Malort, and I was totally okay with that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's one of the hardest bottles to get. Um, I have some over at my house if you need. So no, no, that's okay. You're more less. That's okay. Thank you very much. Uh, Thank you. You're too kind. (laughs) (laughs) So, okay, let's talk a little bit more about uh, the, I want to talk about the, the Violet Hour and basically the inspiration behind the program, because we talked about like the design and layout and uh you know a little bit on the menu but let's talk a little bit more about like what you're doing there and like what what the focus is as far as the, like the direction of the cocktails um i guess of the, of, if i'm in a school of thought of bartending i would be considered a minimalist where <clears throat> i i like to take templates these templates that have worked for many 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 years um be them smashes or Slings or old fashions, martinis, Manhattans, etc., and take that and and first and foremost think about balance, think about water content, um, and then just tweak them a little bit. And so you can the the heart of it of the drink is still there, but it's just a spin on it. Yeah, absolutely. Throw a little curveball in there, you know, something interesting. That's actually that's how I do it too. Like, you know, uh, Phil Ward was on the show. Uh, a few months back and he had mentioned that you know bartending and making like writing a cocktail menu you don't have to you don't have to start from scratch necessarily and and this might be dumbing it down a little bit but taking classic like like it it wasn't always known that an old-fashioned would work that came you know through time also like you know a sour we didn't really know what was going to balance out, or is, is it even like a commonly known thing that you know citrus and sugar and a spirit are going to go together? No, I mean like that came with time, and so probably these, not much time. Human beings could probably figured that out pretty quickly. As yeah. soon as they had a spirit and it was really strong, they started figuring out a way to make it taste really good. Yeah, I mean, for instance, like I always think about the, like the the cocktail is you know. Like, well, what we say now is an old-fashioned, uh, you know, the the stirred, non-muddled, uh, old-fashioned, like, well, you know, a whiskey cocktail. You know, right. you think about, like, people taking bitters as a medicine, and then you're like, oh, it's really bitter. Let's water it down a little bit. Uh, it's still bitter. Let's add some sugar. Oh, wait a minute. We have all this booze. Let's just throw that in there. <laughs> then you've got the old-fashioned. I mean, yeah, exactly. it, but it comes with time. You know, the first time I've seen a print was 1806, but who knows how long people were doing that or experimenting with it, for that matter. Um, but then you've got these, like, tried-and-true standards, like you were saying, like a smash, a sling, uh, Manhattan martini, old-fashioned. And, yeah, I mean, taking those formats and 
putting something interesting in there. Like, I'm sure you and I are the same. When you walk into a cocktail bar and you look at their menu, you can kind of figure out just by looking at the ingredients listed, oh, that's like a French 75 variation or, you know, that, that, that sort of thing. This is kind of like a Collins. But then you see the, I always go for the oddball. It's like, oh, this one has like a pinch of salt and also like habanero shrub in it. You know, like that's, that's, those modifiers are always the really interesting things. So I guess that's what you're saying that uh, you're doing with the uh, the program there. Exactly. Um, we are definitely not um, like Cure. Who I I love Kirk more than you can imagine. He's such a such an incredible bartender. He thinks way outside the box. Um, my brain doesn't work that way. I was a cook for many, many years before I was a bartender, and my brain worked in a very... I need to mess around with the template, get understand what the template means and how everything is working in conjunction, and then swap things out um, like, accordingly. Like, the, like, well, you said you were a cook. Like the mother sauces. I, I Part of the training, we talk about the five mother drinks, because... I went to college school, and yeah. and those those mothers, this coffee was pounded into my head. Yeah, I mean that's that's such a cool thing. I mean, you know, like even like Wiley Dufresne, you know, he's he's got drinks on venues around town. And he's still do. I mean, obviously, he's of a different school of thought. He's very molecular, but he definitely has you know these really interesting drinks. And it's I think it's really cool that like even like the last food and wine cocktail book, you know, they well they've done it for years, but they have a section in the back where it's chef's cocktails and I, th- I think it's really cool that we can kind of bridge those gaps you know between front of house and back of house and uh you know make it work and like and even i think every bartender needs to like they need to be really tight with the kitchen you know because there there are things going on back there that there are ingredients and techniques that can be applied to cocktails too and it's it's really really interesting it can really up your game and really make your cocktail list a lot more interesting. Definitely. Knock it out. And it's a great it's a great symbiotic relationship. What do bartenders need during the night? Food. What do cooks need at the end of the night? <laughs> Food. I yeah. mean, it's it's a match made in heaven. Absolutely. Absolutely. I feel like, you know, uh, I mean, well, I feel like next time I come to Chicago, I'm going to be stuck at the Violet Hour the entire time. <laughs> Probably won't even make it to the aviary. Just kidding. Oh, no, make it to the It's really <laughs> phenomenal. The, the culinary scene in Chicago is blowing up. I mean, it has over the last couple of years. Like, Next just opened. And yep. Alenia, I mean, just like crazy stuff going on in Chicago. Chua, yeah. Uh, Moto. I mean, kind of the one of the most forward-thinking guys, Charlie Trotter, was doing stuff like this 25 years ago in Chicago. Um, it is one of the greatest food cities in the world. I mean, it's it's incredible what they, the diversity and the quality and just from everything from the taco truck to the linea. Exactly, you can find something phenomenal in every sort of category. Absolutely. So, tell me, what do you got coming up next? I know you you've got a lot of irons in the fire. So, I mean, if you could talk about it, I'd love to hear about. Any uh, anything that's coming up? Um, we, uh, Alchemy is in the process of the very slow process of opening a bar in the East Village. 
Oh, cool. That's about all I can say at this particular <laughs> juncture. I can neither confirm nor disconfirm <laughs> the existence exactly. of anything. <laughs> um, as far as uh, as far as like uh, anything uh, involved with the uh, the Manhattan Cocktail Classic or Tales of the Cocktail, are you are you working on any classes or seminars? Or you doing any presentations with those? Um, not this year. We've I've got a lot on my plate. Um, I'm going to try to see what needs to be helped. We do the program at the Andaz Fifth Avenue at the bar downstairs, and a lot oh, yeah. of the right across from the right across the street. Yeah, from the uh, the, from the New York Public Library where the uh, Manhattan Cocktail Classic Gala is being held every year, um, which is always a blast. Last year I tried it's, to that's, interview. That's one of the biggest parties in town. <laughs> yeah, I, last year I tried to. Uh, I had my handheld recorder. I tried to interview Tony Abuganum for this show, and. I thought the interview went really well. And then I got home and listened to the audio, and it was just... <laughs> so, so this year, I'm taking uh, my producer, Jack, with his much nicer recorder, so we can actually uh, use some of the footage, or audio, rather. Um, yeah, it's, it's always a good time. And uh, Hannah Lee is always an awesome, awesome person to be around, uh, who is person who she's the person who actually got me in contact with you today for this interview and i'm really glad that she was so proactive about it and she was actually the one who got me in contact with uh tony abogunum last year uh, hopefully we can redeem ourselves this year jack with uh getting a nice interview with him um but that's always a good time and so we're coming up to the end of the show uh I want to say, again, congratulations on the nomination for the James Beard Award uh, for Outstanding Bar Program. And the James Beard Awards this year being sponsored by Campari, I mean, like, how perfect is that? Uh, just sit yeah. around and drink Americanos all day and take home an award. I mean, I'll be there in spirit, no pun intended, with you. Uh, but uh, those are coming up soon. I mean, it, we're, I love this time of year because we have all the uh, the different conferences and the awards coming up, and it's just a really, really great time to be a bartender. It really is. Um, it, with all the new products coming out, with with the old products that we are relearning to love and compare, and, and all of those Amaros, I mean, speaking of Malort and Fernet and all of those, aperitifs and days you see that we we couldn't do what we do without all of those cool ingredients absolutely and there's so many people that are just bringing it in i mean all these things we all these different not only ingredients but like all these liqueurs and like you said amari and digestives and and aperitifs like there's so many new things on the market it's just a really really exciting time to be a bartender like it's we have so many more tools in our box you know so Definitely. it's 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 really really exciting times and really exciting for you man again congratulations on the nomination i hope you get it i have friends at the other bars so i i, I can i'll say congratulations to all of them as well um definitely whoever wins is that's great it's so great for them and it was i feel like we all won just by being nominated absolutely so i don't think there will be any bad bad blood no matter what happens. Absolutely. Well, Toby, it's been great having you on the show today. Next time you'll have well, to be here in person. Time, <laughs> so 
Toby, Lo- Toby Maloney from the Violet Hour and the rest Boy, of the world. Congratulations, and we will see you next week on the Speakeasy. That Cheers. Cat is high. Look that look in his eye. Oh man, he's high. Yes, higher than a kite. Thanks for listening to this program on the Heritage Radio Network. You can find all of our archived programs on heritageradionetwork.com, as well as a schedule of upcoming live shows. You can also podcast all of our programs on iTunes by searching Heritage Radio Network in the iTunes Store. You can find us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter for up-to-date news and information. Thanks for listening. Yes, he's high. Man, he's higher than a guy.